Would you pray with me? Lord God, we come into your presence remembering your grace, remembering how by the grace of Jesus Christ you remove all the yuck from inside of us and allow a light to shine through us, Lord, into the world, a light of life in a world of existence. God, this is our calling. This is our vocation, no matter where we go or what we do, whether we are working or traveling or staying at home, whether we are with friends or with strangers. Our calling is to be a light of life in a world of existence. And so, Lord, how do we learn to live that life? That is our quest. I pray, Lord, today... To that end, that you would pour upon me the gift of preaching, that my very frail and broken and human words might, by the power of your Holy Spirit, become your living word, uniquely crafted by each and every one of our hearts. We pray this, Lord, with great confidence, for we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we are in our fall series about how to embrace God's story in order to live a life, an it-is-well-with-my-soul life. In the fifth chapter of John, Jesus says that when we receive him as Lord and Savior, in that moment, it says we cross over from death to life. In that moment, we're living already, but we cross over from death to life. Before we are saved, we are simply existing. So you might say in the simplest terms, God's story Versus the world's story is life versus existence. Life versus existence. In the past few weeks, we've spoken of the it's not well with my soul desolation that the world story leaves in its wake, including an epidemic of loneliness, despair, mental illness, and rising suicide rates. In light of this, And the influence that we've learned recently that our friends and community have over how we see ourselves in the world, I've challenged us to a call to community, that we counter the symptoms of the world story by banding together and embracing God's story, life in a world of existence. Like any challenging change or transformation we're implementing in our life, trying isn't enough. Training is required. Just before today's passage that we heard Elaine read, Paul writes about the links that he has gone for the sake of the gospel, life in a world of existence. And it's a wholly other way to live, Paul says. And then he writes, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that lasts forever. This is... Really, the simple distinction between the world story and God's story, right? There's all kinds of crowns that we can get in this world, and we have to live in the world story. It's part of the, the calling of God. We're supposed to be living in it. We're just not supposed to find our essence in the world story. We're not supposed to find our whole purpose, meaning, and an identity there. That is reserved for Christ alone, and it's out of that grace and love, like that pumpkin with the light shining out of it, right? The light of Christ shining out of us, that is our life. As we live 
in the world's story. And so if existence is a huge race, as someone running the race based upon this other way of life that we're talking about, Paul is saying you cannot thoughtlessly give it a try. You must be disciplined. You must have a strict training regimen. Training versus trying. We find this contrast everywhere. Think about it. Training is required, obviously, to keep our physical bodies in shape. If you want to run a marathon, it is just trying enough. If you never train or take the time to create a disciplined regime to prepare, well, go ahead and try to run that race. Training is even required for the oddest of sports. Is this a sport? Did you know that Nathan's famous international hot dog eating contest attracts over 40,000 fans each year and is broadcast on ESPN to nearly 2 million viewers? The reigning champ, Joey Chestnut, holds the world record for the most hot dogs eaten at 73. That's <laughs> that was excellent. Thank you for that help in that moment. <laughs> That's equivalent to about 16 pounds of dogs and over 12,000 calories consumed in just under 10 minutes. You don't just haphazardly try to cram 73 hot dogs down your throat. Good old Joey actually has to train to eat like that. Training is required, right? Whether it's drinking enough water daily eating enough fruits and vegetables, keeping our brain in top shape by playing Wordle or Sudoku. Sudoku. (laughs) Obviously, I don't... Yeah, not doing that. (laughs) Trying, Jeff, is simply not enough. Yet, how many of our initial responses to such healthy goals is, oh, I should try to drink more water, or I should try to give Wordle a shot? I don't think that's how that's going for you. I don't know how that's going for you. I know how it's going for me. Simply trying to reach such goals is erratic at best in my life. For my body and mind's sake, I definitely need to train myself to give up simply trying, right? And that's the point Paul is making regarding our spiritual health. If you're anything like the typical American Christian, we may try to live God's story, Yet our spiritual growth is haphazard at best. It's hard to hold on if we're just trying. And so training is required. Because living in God's story is counterintuitive. And more, it requires facing our sinful nature. Remember, the sin within us resonates and longs for the world's story. And it is eager to allow that story to define who we are and what gives life its deepest meaning. The world story's meritocracy says that our worth is tied directly to how productive and successful we are in life. And ultimately, this is a shoddy foundation, for we will not always be able to be productive. Oliver Berkman writes about uh, this productivity debt that we owe. He says, what if, just for the remainder of this week, say, you were to proceed on the basis that the quest Salvation through productivity was never going to work. It hasn't done so far, after all. And that it might never have been necessary to begin with. 
See, God's story offers very different formula to the source of our worth than this one. Berkman continues. He says, in his interesting book, Redeeming Your Time, the Christian writer, Jordan Rayner, points out that in Christianity, this idea takes the form of grace. The principle that God offers you peace before you do anything. You don't accomplish things in life in order to attain peace. That's unnecessary, indeed, hubristic. You accomplish them as a response of worship to the peace you've already been given, deservedly or not, right? These are the two things. The one, being productive to get your worth, is a crown that perishes. It must. The older you get, the less productive you are. When it's grace-based, it is a crown that is everlasting, right? Because our worth, our essence, it's unchangeable. It's set. It's given to us. And so God's story is a story where our worth and identity are founded not upon that meritocracy or what we've earned, but upon a gracious relationship that we have with our creator. And this identity is nothing like what the, world's, what the world offers because it's not fleeting. And so we gather together in this call to community. We are called to gather together to intentionally train ourselves to live into that reality of grace. Our goal is to unlearn what the world teaches about ultimate meaning, to be set free, to see striving to earn our own worth, and rather we enter strict training to know that our identity is a gift of God. This is the purpose of home groups that we've been talking about. It's spiritual training. It's doing life together, life focused on God's ways in this world. Remember, we said last week, the friends you hang around with, they influence so much of the way you see yourself and the way you see the world. And so that's why intentionality, that's what spiritual training is, is committing to a community that's going to work, study, pray, and seek to live God's story together. We have to spend enough time with others that are thinking the same way in order to have the capacity to run that race. And we all know that it's easier to train when you're doing it together. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you were doing. We need encouragement. We need to remember that it's possible to live God's story in the world. And home groups are intended to be a safe environment in which we can strengthen our spiritual muscles. Required. For as, as we commit to deeper community, as Paul writes, we are able to encourage one another and, like personal trainers, build each other up. What is the ultimate goal of our training? The message version of Romans 8.29 explains it this way. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. Rediscovering the original and intended shape of our lives is certainly where our ultimate purpose and meaning would be found. To discover it, we look to how Jesus lived how Jesus loved. 
And training is required because it's impossible to live God's story without the Spirit working within us. And so together we must encourage one another to make room in our lives to allow the Spirit to continue to transform us to look more like Jesus because we see the original and intended shape of our lives there in Him. The author of Hebrews puts it this way, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. In spiritual training, together we train to keep our faith strong so that together we help one another to hold unswervingly to the hope of the God story we profess. Together we remind one another that he who promised is faithful. God has not only called us to run this race, but he has us, and he will not let us go or let us down. In spiritual training, we spur one another on toward the love and the good deeds that are intrinsic to God's story. We remain in strict training, not giving up meeting together, as those who only try are in the habit of doing. This is what life in a world of existence looks like. The question is, are we ready to quit trying and attempt the training necessary to live God's story? For our calling is to take the life we receive from Christ and live God's story out there in the world story so that those around us in our world of influence can see and experience what this life looks like. Jesus said, when we believe in him, when we receive him as our Lord and Savior, in that very moment we cross over from death to life. Life in a world of existence. This is the foundation of an it is well with my soul life. And this table here, it represents that life. And it is where our God story training begins. For as we share in this holy communion, we receive God's grace, which is the very foundation of who we are, afresh and anew. And because of grace, when God sees us, in spite of the sin that he sees within us, because of that grace, he fully loves us unconditionally. This is the essence of who we are. It's based on whose we belong, whose we are, right? We are completely safe and have no reason to fear that we are not enough. The fear of we are not enough is what drives the world's story. It is not what drives God's story. Grace makes us enough in God's story. Training or trying. It takes sacrifice. We have to be willing to push other things out of the way to make room. But that is what God and Scripture and Jesus and Paul are asking us to do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.